deep left into the bleachers. A two-run homer. A swing and a miss. Ball game. Liftoff. And history marches on. 22 consecutive wins. From the sports desk of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. This is Leading Off with Ryan Lewis, a podcast on the Cleveland Indians. Santana makes the catch! Ball game! The Indians have won the American League pennant! The Cleveland Indians are going to the World Series! Now, Ryan Lewis and Dan Kadar. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Dan Kadar here. Of course, I'm joined by Ryan Lewis. Ryan, now that we have that nice bit of intro music, we don't have to do too many pleasantries at the start of the podcast, so let me just jump right into it. The Indians are coming <laughs> Yeah. The the Indians are coming off a sweep by the Royals in Kansas City. And I think before that series started, you know, people were kind of looking at the the way the Indians were playing and while the offense wasn't doing overly well. The Indians were still winning regardless, and it it, it felt like uh, they're surviving well enough for now. But now that they're eight and seven and coming off a three-game sweep by the Royals, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I'm thinking a little differently. Uh, what's your assessment of this kind of dreadful series against the Royals and where the Indians are right now, which is just a little bit under ten percent of the season being done? Well, it's just a, a difference in how uh, you know. I think we're we're viewing starting rotation right now, whereas entering the season and and the important thing when you're looking at a season long, you know, projection or, or potential, it's it that's the key word is that it, it's all potential. It all relies on consistency and health and some things that you can control and some things you can't control. And when you look at the, this Indian starting rotation, the potential, you know, was really sky high for, for it to be one of the better units in a long time, you know, one through five, a, a, the sort of rock-solid unit that can lift a struggling lineup or a struggling bullpen and, and carry other aspects of the team. Mm-hmm. But when you look at consistency or health right now, the rotation hasn't really had it so far. Um, you know, I think through the first nine starts, uh, the rotation delivered seven quality outings. Uh, but since that time, uh, you know, Mike Clevenger went down. That's a really big blow for rotation. Um, you know, that, that again was kind of counting on um, a, a consistent night every night, one through five. Um, and then also since that time, we've seen Corey Kluber struggle a couple of times through. Uh, Carlos Carrasco has struggled uh, a couple of times through now. Um, you know, Carrasco didn't get out of the first inning a, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Kluber struggled with his command again something that he's now dealt with in, in two starts this year, uh, once against the White Sox at home and then once against the Royals recently. And it was something where, you know, it, you could tell right away that Kluber didn't feel as sharp as what he's accustomed to against the White Sox. He was leaving some pitches over the middle of the plate. Uh, he, he was struggling with his command, um, struggling and getting um, behind in the count. Uh, and it was something where he – addressed it, addressed the mechanical issue that he wanted to make. Uh, he seemed pretty pleased with it in Detroit in his next start, but those mechanical issues kind of came back around uh, this past time. So he's still dealing with that. Carrasco mentioned that he just didn't have anything. Uh, his velocity was way down. Uh, movement wasn't what he wanted. He just didn't feel right on the mound. And, you know, with pitchers, we've 
you know, we, we always see that. There are times when the ball just doesn't feel right and guys' hands, uh, pitch or two, uh, may not be as sharp as what it normally is and you have to leverage other pitches, stuff like that. Um, but as of right now, Kluber and Carrasco, the two guys with the longest track records in this rotation, have also been the most inconsistent. Uh, you know, Trevor Bauer also had one start that wasn't quite as sharp, um, but he's been uh, still one of the better pitchers in, in the American League thus far. Shane Bieber's been really strong, and Clevenger looked great until he went down with that injury. So, you know, right now with with all the other issues around the roster, the starting rotation just doesn't seem as uh, I, I guess bulletproof as, as what you might have thought. And, um, and you know, it does bring into question some things just in terms of the Indians um, really just trying to keep their head above water for a while uh, with all the injuries that they've dealt with. And without this rotation going one through five, it's just just kind of lessens that percentage that they can do that. Right. And let's let's stick with Kluber for a moment because the the numbers when you really look at them are not good. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a little bit of a cold, so people have to bear through my sniffles here. But in three starts, Corey Kluber, twelve innings pitched, eleven earned runs, and nine walks. Uh, that, that's a pretty not good stretch for him. Do you think it, it is solely mechanical? Because at some point you start to, at least I do, you think, okay, this guy just turned 33 last week, actually. Is it just mechanical with him? Is it something he can figure out? Or do we start to worry? Is it too soon to worry? Kluber specifically, is it just a stretch he can get over? Well, normally I, I'm not one to, I, I guess I personally wouldn't, you know, panic or anything like that this early in the season, uh, especially when, you know, there were times in his most recent start where his velocity wasn't quite where it normally was, but, you know, you look at baseball savant, other metrics, um, you know, things were mostly in line. He's just struggled with his command, and he's struggled to fight his mechanics. You know, he's, he's dealt with injuries the last couple of years at different points in those years. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, he's getting closer to his mid-30s. So it's definitely something to watch. It's definitely not something to just, uh, you know, brush under the rug and just say, hey, uh, you know, it was, it was just one start. He'll be fine. These things happen. You know, now it's happened a couple times. But the indications are it's, it's a mechanical issue that he's trying to work through. It is April. Um, you know, I, at this point, I guess I'd characterize it as, as something to watch for sure. Um but, you know, he's, he's, he's had a couple of starts where he's looked like the Kluber of old, and he's had a couple of starts where he's he's clearly been fighting his command. And, you know, he hasn't really been able to get out of it. You know, he's a guy that um, Indian fans are not accustomed to seeing him walk in or run, and he's done it three times this year. Um, so there are some differences there. There are some things to watch. Um, but as of right now, the indication is that it's a, it's a mechanical issue that he's trying to work through and kind of trying to work through on the fly. And, and one of the... One of the real reasons as to why he's, um, you know, really built his resume over the last couple of years is that consistency and that ability to adjust both to himself and to the hitters that he's facing. So it's something he's kind of relied on for quite a while, um, and it'll be interesting to see how he kind of deals with that going forward. Yeah, it will be. Um, he he's not due up to start again until Friday night in Cleveland against the Atlanta Braves. So we'll we'll follow up on that then. The Indians, of course, are starting a three-game uh, series against the Seattle Mariners. It closes out this road trip that they're on uh, that starts tonight in Seattle again. And in case you're 
you know, catching us after Monday. You, you know that already, but uh, Kluber is set to start Friday, so we'll see. Um, the Indians coming up have Bauer, Bieber, and Carrasco. And I'm, I gotta tell you, Ryan, I'm interested to see what Carrasco does in that start in Seattle, but more, more importantly, I think for this team, I'm interested to see who's in the batting order for it. The, the Indians brought up Carlos Gonzalez. They automatically put him, what, in the three spot on Sunday? Correct. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jason Kipnis should be right behind him coming back. And Francisco Lindor, it sure sounds like he's getting really close here. I, I kind of thought Lindor would be out a little longer, but it, it kind of sounds like he's coming along faster. Um, boy, this is certainly a relief for the Indians, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of what they've been they've been sort of trying to survive and trying trying to wade through early in this season, where they you know the, the lineup's just so banged up that they've they've really had to rely on other aspects and some contributions from guys and some playing time from guys that certainly under ideal situations uh, you know would not have been the path that they would have chosen. Um, but as you said, uh, Carlos Gonzalez uh, is up. Jason Kipnis um, sounds like. Uh, that we very very soon, even possibly between the time that I'm speaking and the time that we post the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and Francisco Lindor, he, he has made positive progress. They're certainly going to react to how he feels. There's not going to be a set date or a set timetable or anything like that. But his progress has been positive, and that's that, that'll be a huge boost to the lineup when he when he can return. And it's kind of the, it's sort of been the the day that the Indians have been waiting for. Yeah, it is, and. Uh, Look, the, the person who really has to be relishing this is Jose Ramirez, who, look, I could ask you the same questions about Ramirez that I, I've been about Kluber, um, so let's, let's not get into that too much today. Maybe it'll be our topic next week, but um, Jose Ramirez has to be happy to see these guys coming back and, and helping out. One person not helping out anymore for the Indians is Brad Miller. He got designated for assignment uh, to make way for Carlos Gonzalez. Um, Ryan, what's your favorite Brad Miller highlight as a Cleveland Indian, the, the Brad Miller era? Well, it's it's an interesting move. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he had played fairly well pretty much as advertised. He's not the best defensively, which in a way means he, he needs to hit, but for the most part he had been. Um, you know, he had been hitting around 250 uh, for most of the months. He had a home run, three doubles. Um, you know, he had kind of come as advertised. He had helped out the offense a little bit. He had helped out an offense that will take every single additional base runner, walk, single, double that, that they can get. Um, and, and it really came down to Miller or Max Moroff, who has, you know, thus far, he and Eric Stamets have, you know, to this point been pretty close to automatic out status. Yes. Um, you know, they're they're – they're both hitting right uh, right under 100. They've both been struggling offensively. Now, Stamets especially, you know, was brought in for his defense at shortstop and to specifically fill in for Lindor, handle the position defensively until Lindor can return. You know, Stamets wasn't going to be asked to hit, and neither was uh, Max Moroff. But, um, you know, they, they've both just really, really struggled. Uh, Moroff does have some more defensive versatility in terms of how he'll grade at different spots than Brad Miller, and he's a switch hitter off the bench, but that all being said, uh, you know, he's just really struggled offensively. Brad Miller's looked pretty good. It was a surprising 
Uh, surprising move. Yeah, the the statements one is interesting to me, just from this weird stat standpoint. Eric Stamets' batting average this year is .059. And Ryan, at this point, that is lower than Chris Davis of the Orioles, who started the season like 0 for 53. Um, that, that's not a good thing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Eric Stamets is a good good person and a nice guy and all, but I, I was a little surprised that they got rid of Brad Miller. Brad Miller seemed a little surprised by it too. I mean, I, I always like when athletes are, are frank and honest, and, and Brad Miller certainly was, and he said, quote, and this is courtesy of Paul Hoynes of the Plain Dealer, um, he said, quote, obviously they don't want the best guys up here, so I'm just trying to take it somewhere else and see what we've got. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of Brad Miller's comments there? Well, when we talked with him in Arizona when he first signed with the Indians, he certainly you know, gave the impression and talked about how if, if he didn't think this was a permanent, or not a permanent spot, but a, a longer-term uh, spot on this team, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't be here. And so I, I, by all indications, he wasn't planning on this happening either. Um, it's, it's just a move. I, looking at it, you know, again, Murat has a little bit of more defensive versatility, but for a lineup that needs the offense, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of fans agreed with Brad Miller that um, it's a it's a little bit of a head scratching move, just in the sense of, um, you know, he'd be hitting a little bit more. And, you know, he's he's another, you know, lefty primary second baseman, and Jason Kipnis is returning mm-hmm. soon. Um, so, you know, fit was somewhat of an issue, but Miller's played in other spots before. Um, so, you know, it was a decision that the Indians had coming and had to make. Uh, you know, Miller certainly seems surprised by it and, and frustrated with it. And, you know, he'll he'll certainly try and go somewhere else and, and see what he can do. Uh, it's Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's just an okay player, but it's kind of a bad thing, I guess, when you're, you know, hopefully clawing and scratching and keeping a guy who might get a hit every, you know, five or so of bats or whatever Brad Miller would do, but it's the state of the Indians offense right now, but again they had Carlos Gonzalez in there he went one for five on Sunday and they're getting Kipnis back and they're getting Lindor back here soon so maybe Ryan, we'll we'll talk about some hitting more here in the coming weeks Um, last time we recorded between then and now Mike Clevenger um, the official word came out that he is out uh, for six to eight weeks that was really a shocker. I don't want to go over it too much because it is pretty old at this point. But um, is is Rodriguez the guy that's going to be the replacement for him for the foreseeable future? I mean, I know they sent him back down, but it, it seems like a thing where he's only going to be needed for a few starts here and there anyway. Is he the guy? Are they going to wait for Plutko to come back? What What do you think? is the fill-in for Mike Clevenger? Well, they haven't made a, a direct determination yet. Um, you know, I don't think anything's been been planned out that far ahead in terms of, you know, the entire uh, time that Clevenger will be out. Uh, Rodriguez pitched well. Uh, he, he gave the Indians a, a, a nice start. Um, you know, that being said, the Indians have a couple of off days coming up, so they won't need a fifth starter for a little bit. Uh, Plunko has been the guy that, 
um, you know, in the event of the Indians needing a spot start or a couple of starts here and there, you know, he was going to be the guy. So depending on where he is with his forearm string in a couple of weeks, that could change things. Uh, but, you know, the, the Indians have some options. Uh, you know, for now, it looks like they're going to take it sort of a day-by-day -day standpoint uh, just to kind of figure out how they want to replace Clevenger in the rotation. But, again, those, those two off days coming up within the next week, week and a half or so do afford them some flexibility. So, you know, that hasn't quite been figured out, but, you know, they'll, they'll be able to look at some options and kind of go from start to start. Yeah, and I like that. Like I like Cody Anderson that he's back up in the in the bullpen. I know he's kind of been inconsistent. Then he had Tommy John, but I've always been a fan of his. And you know the the bullpen is starting to get taxed a little bit. I think so. It, that that's some nice relief in that regard too. Correct. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, it's it's a situation that the Indians certainly don't want themselves to be in in right. terms of needing bullpen length and and not getting quality starts out of your rotation on an, on a nightly basis, but. The way that they've been able to kind of work around the roster, um, you know, sending down Jordan Luplo a couple of days ago, afforded them Cody Anderson in the bullpen has some extra length. So they've been able to kind of cover things and sort of weather that storm at least a little bit here. Yeah. Ryan, anything else before we get out of here for the week? No, no, we're good. Hope everyone enjoyed Game of Thrones. And uh, yes. perhaps we will we will venture down that road sometime soon. We, we very well could. <laughs> Uh, we here at the Beacon Journal, we started a Game of Thrones podcast today. We're going to record one every Monday, um, Monday morning, hopefully. And uh, it's only six episodes, so it's, it's a very limited run. But uh, that is going to do it today for leading off with Ryan Lewis. Again, apologies for my sniffles and my probably more monotone than usual voice this week. But, you know, it's chilly season in Northeast Ohio. People get colds, but... Uh, that is going to do it for the podcast. Make sure you're following Ryan on Twitter. He's at by Ryan Lewis. You can find all of our coverage of the Indians over at Ohio.com slash Indians. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, guys.